I lost my faith once upon a time long ago in my spiritual journey. And the reason it took place was really because God did not meet my expectations. I want to suggest to you that that way we might phrase that is as a Lazarus moment. It's really as sisters, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, about what takes place in that. And that's what I want to talk about today. We're talking about this as part of a sermon series that we've started, where we're talking about how we reorder the disorder. And one aspect of this is to talk about and think about how in the season of Lent, we're not only turning away from things that we know are wrong as part of our Lenten discipline, but we're talking about what we're turning to, this new ordered world, this getting back to the way things maybe were at some point, but turning that way. And that's kind of what I want to talk today um, as we look at strengthening our trust and our faith. As we turn to our gospel lesson today, um, you know, this whole passage, I think, starts out sort of in a, in a way that we're like, okay, this works. Like, this makes sense. Like, everything is good initially, except for Lazarus is sick, right? But everything starts out in a kind of a good way. We get this family that Jesus loves. There's Lazarus, the brother. Then we get his two sisters. We get Martha, the sort of the worker bee. We learn about from Luke 10. And Mary, her sister, who we know is a good listener, the one who's going to anoint Jesus' feet, wipe it with her hair. She, she's the good listener in all this. We, we get all that from Luke 10. And we get that this Bethany, this place where they live, the word itself means sort of the house of the poor, place of the poor. It's a place where Jesus visited. It's two miles from Jerusalem. It's a place he frequented. He knows these people. He loves these people. We get that. The problem that we get in our gospel today is that Lazarus is really sick. And with hindsight, we know that he's deathly sick. And we get the sisters get together and they're like, we've got to do something. Our brother is super sick. Let's send a message to Jesus because we, we've seen what he can do, right? So they send this message. And it's kind of an interesting message, right, if you look at it. Because when you look at it, he comes to... The messenger comes to Jesus and said, doesn't say Lazarus, didn't even say his name. He just says, the one you love is sick. That's the message. St. Augustine, writing in the 5th century, says more or less that's all he needed to say because they knew that Jesus loved him and he would never desert him. And so that's the only message that needed to be delivered. And so that's what gets delivered. So far, everything is normal. Everything is good. And so, of course, Jesus dropped everything he was doing and immediately headed to Bethany. No, no, that's not what happened. He waited two days. He waited two days before he heads off to Bethany. And you're like, wait, what? He waited two days? And Jesus says in this passage, he, he, he says, look, this is ultimately going to be for his, for his glory. And he says, so, in some translations, or in our translation, it said, accordingly, he waits two days. He just waits. And I think, just pause there for a second, because I think it brings us back to one of the things that we get into sometimes in our faith, particularly maybe at the start of our faith, but at some chapters of our faith, we sometimes get to where we think about faith working, prayer working, 
We think that somehow we're going to manipulate God, that we're going to make God do what we want. But sooner or later, we come to a Lazarus moment. We come to a moment where we know God can do something. We expect God's going to do something and God doesn't do it. And the original Lazarus moment takes place in this gospel reading with Mary and Martha. They expected Jesus to come right away and take care of this situation, and it doesn't happen. And I imagine that it unfolds in layers, but I imagine the first moment is when they see that messenger returning, saying that he found Jesus, and they look up and they see him coming, and he's alone. He's alone. No one's with him. And they're thinking, okay, is he slightly delayed? Like, you know, what's happening with this? We've seen... Jesus heal. We know Jesus heals. We've heard the stories about how Jesus heals. We know that Jesus loves our family. We know that Jesus loves Nazareth. Our, you know, and, and that we get to this moment and, he, and he, he's not there. He doesn't show up. It's not their expectations. And I want to suggest that sooner or later, if you haven't already had it, that all of us have a Lazarus moment. We begin to think to ourselves, At some point, God should fix my job. We get to a moment where we think God should fix my marriage or my relationship or this virus or my health or God should stop the abuse or God should help me change my character or whatever it is. We think God's got the power to do it. And we're thinking to ourselves, you know, where is he in all this? And it doesn't happen. And in our gospel lesson today, that's what goes on as well, right? I mean, we pick up the gospel lesson. Jesus waits two days. He ultimately shows up four days after Lazarus is dead. And Mary and Martha have to be asking, where is he? You know, what's going on? We know that he loves him. We know that he heals. They called him. Where is he? Lazarus is dead four days And I think our question in part on this is, how are they going to react, right? I love the way the the Scottish biblical scholar um, Barclay talks about this passage. Because he he talks about how when this all starts to unfold and Jesus arrives and Martha, the worker bee, runs to the gate and meets Jesus, like he says that she halfway reprimands him and halfway responds in faith. And when I think it through and think about all this stuff, I'm thinking it's maybe it's more than halfway reprimand. I'm like, she shows up and says, if you had been here, like, I wonder how long that went on. If you had been here, if you had been here, if only you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And at some point she recovers her faith. Maybe it never left, recovers it or it's there. But she also responds in faith and says, even so, even so now I know that if you were to ask it, the God, the Father, these things would happen. She, she still has faith. She still has hope. She hasn't let it go. And I think she teaches us something about faith and hope at that moment. She's, I think she's mad. I think she's really is going after him. But she still holds on to faith and hope in that moment. And the thing she doesn't do is she doesn't come to God and say, it's by my plan or you're out. She's frustrated, maybe. She's angry, maybe. She's disappointed, maybe. It's not what she expected. But she's still holding on to faith and hope. And she says, even so now, 
And Jesus responds in that moment by saying, Lazarus is going to be resurrected. And she's thinking about that, and she says, yeah, I I know he will in the end. That's what we believe. In the end, he's going to be resurrected. And Jesus is like, yeah, no, okay, you're with me. You've got this hope and faith, but let's go a little deeper on making sure you identify who I am, not just by what I do. I'm the resurrection and the life. And he lays it out there. And she takes that on board. And the next thing that happens after that, of course, is she runs and tags team her sister, Mary, who then runs to the gate. And Mary runs to the gate and we get round two. And Mary starts out the exact same way. If only you had been here. If only you had been here. If only, if only you had been here, this wouldn't have happened. We've seen you heal. We know what you can do. If only you had been here. But we also read how she's on her knees. And we get that she's responding with faith. She has both of these things going at the same time, right? And the gospel lesson continues on. And I think it's really worth sort of a sidebar for one moment to just pause for a second and see what happens next in the gospel reading. Because Jesus, at this moment, he sees what's happening. He sees Mary. He sees all the mourners. He sees all this. And we get this passage where it says that he's deeply moved. He enters empathetically into the pain of this moment. And we get this one passage in verse 35 where it says, Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. I have to tell you that once upon a time in my legalistic world, I had this uh, time where I was, I committed for a season, maybe it was Lent, that I was going to make sure I read a passage every single day. And if I ever got into bed and forgot to do my reading that day, I would sit there and imagine the words, Jesus wept because it's one verse in the Bible and we could hit the, hit the check mark on that one. But the significant thing is that Jesus at this moment enters into the pain. And whatever Christians say about suffering, we have our answers. One of the key things we would say is that Jesus always enters into the pain. He's not a God who's aloof from it. He's in it. Whether he himself is on a cross struggling for his breath Or whatever it is, he enters into our pain. He's never remote from it, whatever answer we give. This passage continues, and Jesus says to Mary, take me to where he is. Take me to that place. And for part of us, when we talk about our own list of these Lazarus moments that we have, Jesus says, take me to that place, the place where you lost your faith the place where things got hard, the place where you experienced betrayal, the place where you experienced brokenness, the place where you things got so dark you didn't know what to do with it. Take me to that place. And he says that to Mary. And Mary's reluctant, right? She's like, yeah, he's he's smelling by this point. There's a stink in this place. Do we want to do you really want to go to that place? And Jesus is like, no, take me to that place. And I think Jesus says that to each of us again and again. Like wherever that place is of that hurt and the place we think stinks, maybe it's because of our brokenness or the sin or the evil or whatever it was that surrounded us. Take me to that place because he can handle it and he can take it. And he does. They remove the stone and maybe the stench comes out, but he takes it. But for us, it's a reminder to invite him into those dark corners or those places or the hurt and the betrayal and all these things. 
I was talking yesterday to a friend of mine about this, and um, she reminded me about a contemporary Christian song that came out about five years ago, um, a song by Natalie Grant that's called Clean. And I want to read just a, um, a, a couple of the words from that um, song. She says in this verse, she says, I see shattered, you see whole. I see broken, but you see beautiful. And you're helping me believe. You're restoring me piece by piece. There's nothing too dirty that you can't make worthy. You wash me in mercy and I'm clean. This idea that it's never too bad. Invite Jesus right into that place. And that's what, in the end of the day, Mary does. She takes him to this tomb that she's so worried about. And they remove the stone. And whatever comes, smell comes out of it, I don't know. But Jesus steps into that place. And he calls Lazarus to come forth. And he does. In his grave clothes, he comes walking out. And just as Jesus said would happen, Jesus is glorified in it all. I want to suggest that in our own individual moments, our own Lazarus moments, we invite and ask God to come to that place, show him where it is, and he will call out. And we may not get the restoration we want. It may not still be to our plan. But he ultimately calls out good in our lives. And I want to say two things as I wind up. I want to um, get you to think about this from one of the New Testament scholars that I really like, N.T. Wright, writing about this passage. This is what he says. He says, if you stick close to him and see the situation from his point of view, then even if it means days or perhaps years of puzzlement, wondering why nothing seems to be happening, you'll come out at the right place in the end. This is meant to be a reordering of our disorder. It's meant to be a call to a severe hope, even when things aren't to the script we want. It's meant to be a call to a deep faith, even when things aren't to the expectations that we had. But Jesus still shows up to this day at all of these different tombs of Lazarus and calls out life. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us and you care about us and that you walk with us every step of our spiritual journeys. At those moments where you don't do the things we think you should do, help us cling to you and trust, knowing your goodness in all the other situations. May we trust you in the things we don't understand. May we hear your voice calling out goodness, life, love and mercy from us in these places. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.